This, this, this is, 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 is. Fight Disciples. <clears throat> uh, welcome to podcast episode 328. We are the Fight Disciples. This one is dedicated to the world of mixed martial arts, mainly the UFC, but we'll talk about some other stuff as well. And if it's the first time you've ever come across us, you can get us. Uh, on our website, fightdisciples.com, if you need an Android feed or on iTunes. Fight Disciples is what you are looking for. At Fight Disciples uh, on Facebook and Twitter and at the Fight Disciples on Instagram. Make sure you get stuck into it. Uh, and how the mighty have fallen, let me tell you. We, I'm uh, freezing. We um, are used to 45, 46 degree heat when we're recording this. Uh, for those that have only just joined us over the last week or so. Um, Abu Dhabi and Las Vegas isn't a regular occurrence. However, we've kind of taken it as a regular occurrence. And now we're back in sunny Manchester. Listen, the, the sun is out in Manchester, but there's a, little bit of a, freezing, there's a little bit of a nip in the air, isn't the sunshine? And you, you're not freezing. too happy. Uh, we're on location, actually, recording this. We're in a, a coffee shop um, ahead of a, a boxing press conference, which we were about to attend, but we thought we'd just nip away, get our uh, MMA show recorded and get it up so people can hopefully enjoy that. But in the meantime, Nick Pete's got a little bit of uh, a gripe with the air conditioning or maybe them leaving the windows open. I think the window's open. I think that's what the problem is. I wish I'd put my vest on now. Vest? Do you have a vest? Of course I've got a vest. Muscle beach vest. To wear underneath stuff or to wear on top of stuff? Yes, Adam, I wear a vest underneath stuff in the winter. Do you? I'm grown, man. Of course, mate. Once you pass four, once you pass that big four-zero, vests become a necessity. <laughs> From eating bumholes on our uh, boxing shorts to now wearing vests. vests. I'll tell you something, you're as cultured as they, they come, you son. Most people in the world wear vests. That's what vests are designed for. They don't. They do. I don't know anybody other than three-year-olds that wear vests. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody wears a vest. My daughter doesn't even wear a vest. You're out of town. She doesn't. Hard as nails, that one. Doesn't wear a bloody, <laughs> she is tough, to be doesn't fair. Wear a bloody vest, sunshine. Um, now, at the weekend, obviously, we were uh, in Las Vegas watching Tyson Fury, so therefore we didn't necessarily get to watch this live. Um, and with a bit of jet lag yesterday, I decided to uh, stick my old app up, have a little bit of a nosy in, and uh, keep up to date with everything that happened at UFC Vancouver. Um, we'll go to the main event, first of all. Yeah. Because what a turnaround in fortunes from Justin Gaethje. When he came onto the scene in the UFC... Straight away, you jumped all over it and went, listen, this is a highlight reel guy. Make sure you're watching this guy because he's never in a dull fight. He's only had five fights at UFC and he's got six UFC bonuses. I think that tells you everything that you need to know. However, he did go through a little bit of a sticky spell. He had a couple of defeats, back-to-back defeats. And we all thought, is he all that? Will, will, his, will his style transcend to the UFC? Has he got to be a little bit smarter? And I'll tell you something, he's most certainly sharpened his game up because he isn't just a walk forward, throw everything at throw the kitchen sink at it anymore over his last three fights where he's he's had three consecutive first round knockouts there's a bit of thought actually into his work now he seems to have sharpened his game up and I was worried about that whether doing that would maybe take away what Justin Gaethje is yeah but in fact it's actually made him better yeah absolutely he's a, th- he's a bit more of a thinking fighter now so he's always had it in his in his locker you know he's got that wrestling base which is almost essential these days to be a top contender but he just doesn't use it. He's built his style on the fact that he's like a fucking zombie. He just walks forward, throwing heavy hands. He's done it his entire career. Before he came into the UFC, he was World Series of Fighting champion, which doesn't exist anymore, but he was basically the flagship fighter for World Series of Fighting. He's fights with uh, Luis Palomino, Melvin Guillard, Nick Newell. Like, these are fucking 
fight of the year contender fights. The, Pal- the Palermo back and forth at World Series of Fighting when he was champion there, that was shortlisted both years for the World, uh, World MMA Awards fight of the year. So when he came into the UFC, he did come in with good momentum. He beat Michael Johnson on his UFC debut. Then, as you say, he runs into Eddie Alvarez at the top of his game, bounced out of the LD Alvarez defeat with a loss to revitalised Dustin, Dustin Poirier, Poirier, which yeah. obviously now uh, looks what it is. Absolutely dismantled my guy, James Vick. Smashes up my other good guy, Edson Barbosa, and steams Donald Cerrone at the weekend. All first-round knockouts, all top lightweight contenders. This could actually be the guy. This could be... With Tony Ferguson, Khabib haven't been made four times and fell off four times. Don't be surprised that when it does get made, just in case she's co-main, just in case it falls off again, just in case she will step in 100% to fight either of those guys, either for the title or for the interim title. I was going to ask you about that because we only ever see him clanging and banging. He has got an unbelievable wrestling base, which he seems to refuse to actually uh, go it. to. But he will need it if he's going to be fighting Tony Ferguson, Habib, won't he? More than likely, just because those guys know this this, Kelly, this fella can be up by the kitchen sink and still come forward. You know, it's, it's mental because, you know, fight sports fucks people up. And if you listen to Justin Gaethje, if you fight for long enough, you will get damaged by mm. fight sports. Mm. That's just a fact. We all know it. And the whole point of every single prize fighter I've ever met is get in, get out, with your faculties in, 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 in check and as much money in the bank as humanly possible. That seems to be the goal. But every now and again, you come across guys like Gus, Justin Gaethje, who seem to throw all that out the window. Now, you're right. Last couple of fights, he, just, he does seem a little bit more tactical. But this is a guy that, you know, he slays his words, terrible. He can fucking hardly see. Mm. When you see him away from the octagon with his glasses on, he's got, like, milk bottle bottom glasses. The guy can't see fucking two feet in front of his face. And for this Cerrone fight, I don't know if you've seen the media week uh, last week, but he turned up in a pair of sunglasses and was like, yeah, yeah, I've got an eye infection. And if I take these sunglasses off, basically I'm fucked. I've just got to protect my eye until the fight. He's an absolute lunatic. But he's got that edge. He's got that incredible wrestling base that he doesn't need. But his stand-up is just proficient. You know, James Vick, one of the best hands in the lightweight division, steamrolls him. Edson Barbosa, undoubtedly one of the best kickers in the whole UFC, never mind the, U- never mind the lightweight division. He knocks him out as well. And then Donald Cerrone, one of the best all-round guys, always turns up to fight, never in a dull fight. He fucking smashes him to bits mm. as well. This is a guy on a real run. And I, as I say, if it's not Ferguson next for Khabib, it's got to be Justin Gaethje. He's also jumping on the uh, the chat bandwagon as well, isn't it? Because of the way that he's talking about uh, Connor. Constantly on at him, constantly giving it the big end. If it isn't going to be... Habib or Tony next for him and, and, and listen I don't think he deserves that as of yet what no. he is Tony Ferguson deserves a shot at the title I wouldn't be surprised if with one more victory Gage is the next in line to take on the champion you're right in saying listen train because we know that that particular fight keeps falling off yeah. and therefore if there is a weight issue or an injury issue he can jump in and take the replacement fight but with him constantly going at it with Connor Neither of us actually believe we're going to see Conor fight this year. No. But if there is a miraculous turnaround where Conor goes, yeah, go on then, I'll have a knock. Justin Gaethje or Dustin Poirier, as I was saying last week, yeah. they've got to be the two frontrunners, haven't they? Completely, yeah. And Listen, I, I think right here, right now, the rematch with Dustin just makes a bit more sense. Um, just because whatever happens with Ferguson, Khabib, and hopefully that is the fight. That's the fight we all want. That's the fight we've got to see. And that's the fight Khabib wants, Ferguson wants, and no doubt the UFC want to make. But one million percent, it's fell off four times. One million percent, a top contender needs to be on that card, co-main event. 
And Geishi, for me, is that guy now. Geishi has got to be chief support for that fight, just in case one of them falls off, which means Dustin Poirier is uh, front row centre for the Red Panty Party. How close? I don't think he's, it, we're going to get as close as he's been over the last 12 months, but for Donald Cerrone, that ambition of becoming world champion seems to be fading because he's had two wonderful opportunities of late, the Tony Ferguson fight and the Justin Geishi fight. And if he comes through the first one, or even if he comes through this one, he, he's back on the horse, so to speak. I know that's a bit of a pun with him being a cowboy. Um, but now he seems that that dream is, is sadly diluted. Yeah, again, he wins here. Then he's the guy that's Colmain. He's the guy that's you know right underneath. In fact, Cowboy's probably the guy you make with Connor in a final eliminator. Um, off a di- on a different card, obviously, Connor's main event wherever he goes. So you're right, Cowboy's kind of missed out now, and he's... And he's Four to five down the pecking order. The fight with Connor kind of doesn't make too much sense anymore just because of the manner of defeat here. You know, I, I think what disappointed me, and he looked sensational. Like, we were away, weren't we, looking at us when he turned up at the arena and he had that wicked suit on and yeah, all yeah, that yeah. cowboy. You're like, man, he's, he's just fucking got it. And he gets inside the octagon and makes a moustache look cool. Come on. Who the fuck makes a moustache look cool outside of Hulk Hogan? It's impossible. Or Tom Selleck. Tom Selleck's got a good in. Tom Selleck's is a belter. Freddie Mercury's were a banger. Yeah, but, you know, very porno-style lad, isn't it? Nothing wrong with that. If you sported the Freddie Mercury tash walking down the streets of Manchester today, you'd get some funny looks. If you had a Tom Selleck moustache, women would fall at your feet. It's the point what, of even generally. now? In 2019? Even, absolutely. And I thought Cowboy carried it off. Most people can't carry it off. He looked amazing. Unfortunately, once the fight started, he didn't look amazing. And if you watch the finish... He's so lazy with that left shot. He steps forward with a left hand, and it's so lazy. He pushes it out there, and it's it's still out there while Geishi counters over the top. Yeah. Cowboy steps forward, throws a left. And by the time Geishi st- takes a little step back and counters with the right hand, Cowboy's shot is still on his shoulder. There's no snap there at all. And I think in hindsight, he'll look back and be really disappointed there. Obviously, these guys have, have done a bit of sparring before. They're not teammates. done a bit of sparring before. Geishi's coach has trained Cowboy before, at least took him on the pads a few times. There's a, there was a good relationship there. And you could tell all the build-up, you know, they were high-fiving. You could tell they were, Cowboy especially, you know, you could tell he was fighting a friend. It makes no difference to him. Geishi, though, had the eye of the tiger, and I like that. I don't care if you're army friend, this is fight week, fuck you. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Switch it on. Cowboy was, in, even in the octagon, high-fiving, laughing, joking, trying to hug him. Geishi was just kind of eyeballing him. Well, he didn't, have his, he didn't have his glasses on. He was probably just trying to make out if it was actually fucking Cowboy or not. Um, Post-fight, though, he was very respectful. And he actually absolutely. made a comment, didn't he, about saying, listen, it's difficult fighting a friend, but like you just said, it's even more impressive that he, th- he felt like that and he could still do Eye of the Tiger and he just blocked it all out and went, to, him. went to war. Absolutely. I think Cowboy's attitude was a little bit off for me. Listen, the guy's been there, done it, wore the T-shirt, and if he wants to fight, he can turn it on. He hasn't got to be super aggressive all the time and everything else. But Geishi just had the eye. It's one of those fights that when you're watching it, and you're watching him come to the middle of the octagon and the touching gloves and the referees talking to them, and you can, you can just tell. You've got it. You've got the eye of the tiger. You're looking at him like fresh meat. Mm. Where Cowboy's looking at him going, hey, if my buddy Justin Geishi, let's do it, man. Let's put a show for the fans. And Geishi's like, fuck you. I'm running through you, son. I want a title shot. I want Conor McGregor. I want the big bucks. And that, and that for me, stood out a mile. And, and, and it kind of played out like that in the fight as well. Cowboy following him around a little bit too much. A little bit lazy. Bang. Geishi nailed him. And when he nailed him, it was fucking all over. Well, uh, we knew that. The referee clearly didn't know that. What was his game? No idea. What was he doing? No idea what he was doing. Um, he was on the wrong side, first of all. And I don't think he knew exactly where Cowboy was at, even though Cowboy was on all fours. He's just taking an absolute shellacking. 
Yeah, and that obviously Justin gets you through his uh, through his opinion. The referees wear. Listen, it's fight sports. There's a lot of heat at the moment. Job got done, uh, and the and, and it wasn't too much. Of, had that been of a, a hiding? Had that been someone with a real rivalry with Cowboy Cerrone? Now, had that been a venomous, you know, build up and a little bit of needle in there, and that had happened. Cowboy Saron could have got nailed there. His career could have been over. Mm. He could have took a couple of clean shots there when he was completely defenceless. And you know, right now he's speaking through a, you know, he's, he's eating a Sunday lunch through a store. Career could have been over because he was clearly wide open to take shots. Referees like that need to be, hopefully, the, the UFC or hopefully, you know, someone pulls those guys to one side. I, you know, I don't quite know what goes on with referees because so, so many of them analyze themselves. Like Mark Goddard's a good friend of ours. He's the most. No one's more critical of Mark Goddard than Mark Goddard. When he makes a mistake, he'll fucking he won't sleep for weeks. But when, likewise, when he whenever he performs, he'll go back and he'll watch it and he'll judge himself and he'll analyse himself. I hope this referee or someone around him does the same because you're right. He was in the wrong position, but two, he's in there to protect the fighters. You know what I mean? He can seize on all fours. He can yeah. see he's going to take clean shots. You've got to step in. You've got to be in a better position then. You've got to do better. Mm. Cowboy Cerrone could have got seriously hurt. And it's only the fact that Justin Gaethje is a friend of his, that Gaethje... When, when someone's waving the referee in... He's out, mate. And then you've got to go, OK, ref, I'll hit him again, shall I? Bonk. Now are you going to come in? Come on. Come on, mate, for fuck's sake. Mm. Do your job. Uh, you mentioned being ready for those last-minute opportunities. Tristan Connolly, tell you something. What a geezer this guy is. For those that don't know this, this kid's story... Um, seven days prior, in fact, five days prior to the event at the weekend, he wasn't even in the UFC. Michelle Pereira's uh, opponent pulled out. They needed a last-minute re- replacement. They went in for this kid. And let's be honest, his record isn't all too uh, amazing. This is a lad that competes at 155 pounds. He's accepted a fight up at welterweight yep. last minute against the geezer that has just come off the back of a highlight real knockout against Danny Roberts. Everybody's going crazy for Michelle Pereira. Yep. And this kid goes... Yeah, go on then. I'll well, Tristan had gone for him as that he was from Vancouver. That he was, was local. He was in town and he could make weight because he's actually a, a lightweight. From the weight division <laughs> below. <laughs> so he rocks up and I'll tell you something. Don't get me wrong. It's all nice and flashy early doors. The ring walk is just ridiculous. It's like a flash mob. Michelle Pereira's yeah. come out. He's got all these mates doing a dance routine as he's making his way to the octagon. The kid stood there thinking, what the fuck have I let myself in for here now? Then... First minute, kids running around the side of the octagon like yep. a bloody cartoon character. Superman punch, he's showtime do- kick. He's doing backflips. Back <laughs> he's doing all sorts of shit. He did the, what did he do? The back fl- uh, the backflipped two-footed stomp at one point when the kid was on his back. Listen, absolutely ridiculous. We'll get to Michelle Pereira and we'll give him a bit of a kicking in a minute for doing all that stuff and not winning the fight. But from Tristan Connolly's point of view, man, the way that he turns the rhythm of that fight in the second round, obviously he's got a great corner there. They've said, listen, man, He's only getting success when there's gaps between you, when you're giving him distance. Don't give him distance. And I'll tell you something, the kid just put his foot down and went to war, didn't he? Unbelievable. It was unreal because you've got this big, huge, strapping, six-foot-two, tanned, ponytailed, <laughs> shredded to bits, you know, uh, Brazilian and Pereira in one corner who's just danced his way to the octagon. He's blowing kisses. You know, he looks like a fucking model. And then in the other corner, you've got this little fat pasty fella who's coming at a week's notice. You're harsh on fat. Listen, he's just fighting at the weight category above. Look well, exactly, yeah, yeah. You know, he had, he had a gut on him, let's be honest. He had a little cocky zut on him. Uh, meanwhile, Pereira's got, you know, about, about 12 abs, never mind six. Um, and, uh, you know, that first round, you're just thinking, oh, my God, you know, he's going to take an absolute shellac in here. And... Uh, he stuck with it. He didn't let it break him. He didn't let it psychologically fuck him up that this guy's doing all kinds of crazy stuff. He's just like, you know, at one point, Tristan was basically 
running around the octagon and the guy's chasing him doing cartwheels and flips and su- Superman punches off the cage and all kinds and you're like this is absolutely bonkers but Tristan in his mind is just thinking okay mate once them lactic once that lactic acid kicks once in once you burn out son. once you get tired then we'll have a go welcome to my world because you could see he was you know Pereira's let's face it Pereira's a middleweight somehow making welter yeah and Tristan Colley is clearly a lightweight. Yeah. He was like, fuck it, man, five days notice, whatever. This is the UFC, of course. Now, the key, before we go on about the story, the key here is Tristan Connolly comes in at five days notice, obviously weighs about 165 pounds and nowhere near 170 because yeah, he's yeah. not a 170 yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Pereira weighed 172. Yeah. Now, that one pound becomes critical when we discuss the outcome of the fight because obviously as a welterweight he's contractually obliged to make 171 you're allowed one pound discrepancy he makes he makes 172 let's continue the story right so well first of all what a prat for missing weight cock then so he lost 20 percent of his purse he's already lost 20 percent of his purse um tristan connelly's just been given eight thousand dollars yeah to turn up and fight exactly right. so his basics eight he's just got 20 percent of the other guy so probably say another 10 grand right. so walking to the octagon i'm guaranteed 10 grand and i'm in the Perfect. ufc Brilliant. he's guaranteed to, he's guaranteed that he's walked in then he puts it on him beats him so you get your wages doubled there you go so he gets an extra eight so now he's got 18 grand there now he's fucking buzzing laughing his balls off now isn't he Absolutely. however they call it fight of the night don't they Everybody's going crazy because everybody was excited about that 15-round uh, uh, war between the pair of them. He comes out as victor, fight of the night, bonus time. 50 Gs, baby. No, 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 Nicholas. It's not 50 Gs, is it? Tell them why it's not 50 Gs. Because Pereira missed weight, he is not allowed to collect his side of the fight of the night bonus. So that entire bonus goes over to Tristan. Sweet, baby Jesus in the orphans. So he's basically picked five, six days previous. Yeah. He's not in the UFC. He's, he's at his gym. He's training fucking probably kids' classes. He's probably waiting for a potential fight to come up. And someone rings him and goes, listen, UFC are in town Saturday. And he's thinking, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, did you get those tickets I asked for? Any, <laughs> did someone get me a couple of freebies? Any chance? In the, up in the gods? No, 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 Tristan. This is Sean Shelby. Do you want to fight on Saturday's card? Five days later, he fights. He wins. He walks away with 118,000 118, quid. There or thereabouts. Because the other geezer missed weight. Fucking tremendous. Absolutely tremendous. I mean, and he's probably going to get himself a UFC gig now, oh, isn't 100% he? 100% he will. You know, and it'll be down at lightweight. Yeah. And, he, and you know what? He might even do something. But the beauty of it is, had Pereira not done the ring walk, yeah. had Pereira not done the backflips, the cartwheels, the Superman punches, the, it probably wouldn't have got fight of the night. No. Thanks, Pereira. <laughs> I hope he sent him a few quid. If you so go to Tristan Connolly's gym now, there's a fucking big poster of Pereira on the wall. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, though. You know, that, that, that one opportunity, this is, this is fight sports for you, and this is why fight sports is so romantic. It takes, we talk about this a lot, especially in boxing as well, taking your opportunities. Andy Ruiz did it against AJ. When a fight comes at late notice, and it's a massive step up like that, it's a big opportunity don't ever think it will come again tomorrow. You know, we, we've had this conversation. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Look at Paddy Pimlet now. Mm. Okay, he's been injury strong and everything else, but there was an opportunity there for him to fight at UFC Liverpool. He turned it down. I'm like, no, nah, it's not for me. Now, Paddy's still a young baby, and hopefully it works out for him. But right now, he feel, it feels like he's a million miles away from oh, the yeah. UFC. That opportunity feels like it's gone. Will it ever come again? We don't know. In terms of Tristan Connolly, will you come in and fight this guy who's who looks amazing, that looks sensational on his UFC debut. Yeah. You've got the five bigger than you. He's, he's basically two divisions bigger than you. 
Yes, I'll take the opportunity. 118 no, no, grand. No, no, will you Life do changer? it? Will you do it for eight grand? Because that's all he was agreeing to. Of course. Will you do it for eight grand? Because he's probably thinking, and hopefully Tristan went, I'll do it for eight grand, but please give me one fight at lightweight. And the UFC have probably gone, tell you what, if you do all right, if you do well, you guarantee it. Now, if Tristan gets blown away in one round against yeah. Pereira, he won't get his chance again. The no. UFC aren't going to go, oh, we'll give you a chance at lightweight now. We've seen that happen before. Some guys come in, don't take their opportunity, get caught in the headlights. But this guy is coming. Like Lerone Murphy did the week out yeah, in Abu Dhabi. absolutely. Comes in at a four week's weeks. notice. Four, or four weeks. Sorry, four weeks. three or four weeks' notice. Looks absolutely sensational. You better believe he will get plenty, you know, at least two or three UFC fights now and hopefully starts you know, his UFC career. Tristan Connolly takes the opportunity. Yes, I'll do it for eight grand because I believe in myself. I don't care how good that guy is. He won't fucking get rid of me in a round. And he didn't. Mm. But not only that, turns the fight on its head in the end the fucking Vancouver crowd were going absolutely ballistic it was unreal just a little note away from the octagon um, I know that me and Nick complain about this quite a lot because obviously the American content is catered for the American audience and we just take that feed here in the UK when we're watching it on various channels that we watch it on um, when it's pay-per-view we want it to be more British catered and hopefully that is changing over the next couple of months or so however yeah. it was really nice to hear DC back in the uh, commentary chair at the weekend obviously he's had a bit of a tough time with the defeat and then the loss of his uh, stepfather and for him to be I know he didn't do any media or anything last week because I'm, I'm sure people would have asked him those questions and maybe it's a little bit too raw for him at this moment in time but for him to be back in the octagon and commentating and commentating so well because there were so many little bits in there that just made me smile typical DC being back in there he calls the fight really really well and it's great to see him back yeah listen I like DC and I think as a commentator he's fun yeah that's the whole point that's what I'm saying do you know what I mean he makes the broadcast entertaining is he a good commentator I don't think so I think mean, he's. I think he's very good. Yeah, but the the dynamic of the three works because he has the fun element to it. Yeah, he does. Yeah, yeah. But you know, <clears throat> I like Brent. I like Brendan a lot. I've worked with Brendan. We've done commentary. He did commentary for us when we when we covered the uh, Conor McGregor versus Habib fight out in Las Vegas. And he's and he's a great guy. But he's relatively new to MMA. And likewise, DC. Listen. The one thing that stood out to me from this card was the Misha Serkinov Jimmy Crute fight. Okay. Because. Misha Serkinov locks in this incredible Peruvian necktie and not one of them on the microphone knew what the fuck was happening. Not one of them at any point says, yeah, okay. wow, a Peruvian necktie, what an amazing thing to see in the UFC. Now, there's, there's, there's commentators on the UFC roster. Dan Hardy? Listen, I'm not being biased because Dan is the best, yeah, but he, he is. is the best. Dan would have nailed that. Not only nailed it, he'd have talked you through it as it was happening. Oh, shit. If he does this, my God, that's a Peruvian necktie. Wow. We haven't seen... But neither Brendan nor DC knew what they were watching. And at that level, with that level of commentary team, I need someone needs to be in there that's educating me. Yeah. Because I'm looking at it and I'm going, is, is, is that a Peruvian necktie? And no one says shit until it was actually when Bruce Buffer announced the winner via Peruvian necktie. I was like, I thought it was a Peruvian necktie. But I, I'm not educated enough. I mm. want to be educated. The commentary team, that's their job. Okay, then. There was well, a missed opportunity there. Okay, then. Well, maybe it's the dynamic of the commentary team. Because personally, I, I need a little bit of fun to it as well. Because yeah. we're here for entertainment. It's and I think 100%. DC adds that perfectly. So what it used to be, yeah, back in the day when Joe Rogan was, was you know, commentating with whoever on the other side. Yeah. Goldie, with Goldie, for instance, in the early days. Uh, people may or may not know that. Joe Rogan had Eddie Bravo on a headset. In his earpiece. So yeah. Eddie Bravo was out in the in the TV truck watching these fights. And as Joe Rogan's 
BJJ coach. They would have a direct line into Joe's ear, and if something amazing happened or something very technical happened, he would talk Joe through it, and Joe would commentate on that and be get, taking advice from Eddie. This was back in the day. Listen, if Joe Rogan was in the booth on Saturday night, you better believe Joe Rogan had been all over that Peruvian necktie because he's a lot more experienced now, and he knows what he's watching a lot more. But back in the day, that was it, and I think that might have been missing at the weekend. We might have been missing just a little whisper into, into DC's ear or even or, or even the, the commentators here, just to say, listen, guys, that's a Peruvian necktie. Oh, oh shit, he's about to do a Peruvian necktie, but no one mentioned it, and I'm I'm sitting there going, all he was saying was it's a it's a leg over guillotine, it, and I was like, it's a le- I, I, you know, I needed to be informed. I'm a fan. I'm a fan. you know, I'm a huge UFC fan. Been watching it a long time. But I need educating at that point. I needed someone to tell me. And that, that was my only complaint. But you're right. It's great having DC back. Mm. Any other fights stand out for you before I move on to uh, various other bits that we got up to last week? Um, I've got to be honest. You know, we, we go for people in the past. And on our boxing show, I went pretty balls deep on AJ for spewing it against Andy Ruiz. And I stand by it. I don't think he wanted to be in there. And he, and he wanted out. And for me, Todd Duffy... There's a lot. I poke. Yeah, there was a lot of med building up to the fight at the weekend. Yeah, of where Todd Duffy was at. He'd been out of the octagon for what three years. We hadn't seen him for a while. He seemed to be starting pretty well. So you but think then he takes an eye poke and he he, bot- he bottles it? Once the going got, you know, the fight had kind of changed. There, it kind of rolled over. That Jeff Hughes was starting to have a little go back. It was becoming a bit more competitive. It wasn't as dominant as it was for the first three minutes. And then the eye poke. Listen, poking the eyes, you know, it's yeah. horrific. Especially if you can't see. But I've seen much, much worse than that. He didn't look in that much distress. His eye didn't look like it was, you know, bleeding or anything like that. And I've seen people with bleeding eyes after eye pokes go, yeah, man, let's fucking go. You know, we seen Ty- we were out and watching Tyson Fury in Las Vegas and his, his eye was hanging off. There's no way he could see out of that right eye. Yet he boxed nine rounds with it. Todd Duffy, for me, this was it was a, an exit for him. If you've been, listen, you've been out for three years, your cardio's not there, your sharpness is not there. I just expected a bit more from Todd Duffy, a bit more of a fight, a bit more of, you know, a willingness to, you're in there to, this is entertainment, you're in there to please the fans. That's why everyone was booing, because it's a bit like, come on, man, it's not a, it, this is not a pillow fight, it's a fucking fight. You're going to get poked in the eye? Shit happens, get on with it. <laughs> you've absolutely no sympathy for no fucker. I like the way that it's you've just analysed that. You're here to entertain the fans. Listen, gladiators, look at Julius Caesar here. Exactly. Th- thumb up, thumb down. That's you've you, lost an you? eye. You've got another one. <laughs> Crack on. <laughs> I'll, I'll take my health, mate. I'll take my health. That, but that's, I'm not a fighter at the end of the day. Um, we were in Las Vegas, as we've mentioned on many, many occasions over the last couple of weeks last week, and we've dropped a bit of a bollock. I'm going to be honest with you. Um one of our friends, who is uh, quite prominent in uh, television production when it comes to the UFC, was going to Mr. Olympia. All right, now Mr. Olympia, bodybuilding competition. Everybody's flexing, getting them, getting them covered in creosote, showing off their abdominals and all that type of stuff. And we thought it's our only morning off. Fuck that. We'll go and sit around the swimming pool. That's what we thought we'd do. So we sacked off going to Mr. Olympia. Who wants to do that? Let's be honest. We're not asked about that. We're all about the dad bods. We're not all about the guns. Fast forward a couple of hours and I'm checking my social media whilst we're around the pool and our mate is there enjoying himself. He's enjoying himself with George St. Pierre. He's enjoying himself with Anderson Silva. He's enjoying himself with Nick Diaz. Oh, that was the killer. Every man and his dog from the who's who of the of the UFC world, bizarrely, were at Mr. Olympia yeah. whilst we've got our dick in our hands around the bloody pool, mate. You know what I mean? We dropped a bit of a clanger there. We could have gone there. We are magic wand and uh, interviewed every man and his dog, couldn't we? I know. If I knew Nick Diaz was there, obviously, we'd, we'd 100% been over there. Um, 
you know, Anderson Silva, George St. Pierre. Chael Sonnen, I think, was in the house as well. There's a couple yeah. of others knocking about. Basically, everyone that's probably done juice over the years. <laughs> <laughs> they were all there on a with, supplement company as well. Well, that's 100%. They'll have been there with supplement companies. I've been to, I've actually been to Olympia before. I have you? A, I went a few years ago, that's yeah. I find it weird, mate. Because it's homoerotic. We yeah, but it's what? It's a homoerotic pursuit bodybuilding. Carry on. Well, it's for men, isn't it? What do you mean? Women aren't impressed by muscles, like fucking... Is that what you tell yourself? Hook. Is that what you tell... <laughs> Women aren't impressed with muscles. I'm well, going to stick listen, with this body. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Women want a good dad bod. Women, women don't want guys who look like fucking Phil Heath or Ronnie Coleman or you know. So they're not. I don't, I don't think so. Well, you always see we're like a bit of a darling knocking about, don't you? No. Do you not? Not really. No. To be fair, we like little weird gym rats. We saw loads of people last week in Vegas who were obviously going to this, and they yeah. were all absolutely boosted. Weren't listen, they? They we, were right we had, up. We had this conversation with a cab driver. Should we have it again? Yeah, of course. Bodybuilding body like is, a, in my opinion, a, a massively homoerotic pursuit because putting that much muscle on, the kind of muscle that professional bodybuilders put on, and I mean the big guys, not the, the body fit models necessarily, but the proper bodybuilder guys, is completely homoerotic. It's based on being the alpha male, being able to walk into a room, group of men, and a group of men going, wow, look at the size of that guy. And that guy feeling, I'm the biggest motherfucker in the room. I'm the alpha male in this room. However, the caveat on being the biggest guy in the room, on looking like Hulk Hogan, is that your cock and balls shrivel up because that's what steroids does. So in reality, you may look like the alpha male, you may feel like the alpha male, but you're doing zero damage, son. <laughs> you ain't feeling no prams. And that's the point I'm trying to make. It's for, it's for other men. Yeah. Very few, I'd say less than 5% of women on this planet want a man that looks like that. That is that. That looks like the Hulk. They just don't want it. But as most men, and they go, wow, yeah, he's a fucking big dude. I wouldn't mess with him. That's what it's all about. It's all about the psychology of being able to walk into a room and feel like the big man. But in reality, get your cock on the table, son. Let's see who the big man really is. <laughs> it's homoerotic. And that's me on bodybuilding. Hang on, which one's more homoerotic? You just studying muscles or wanting to get your cock out on the table with these big dudes to see who's got the biggest leg? Hey, have you ever seen them when they're posing on stage with the little thongs on? Yeah. Nothing there, is there? They're like action men. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're like action men. Honestly. I'll move on. Because <laughs> I wanted to just tackle this BT Sport box office thing as well. Because I did, when I did go, though, I did meet the, the original Hulk. Oh, did you? Lou Ferrigno, yeah. Did we had you? a beer with Lou Ferrigno. That was kind of fucking awesome. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. Did you get his cock out? I didn't get his cock out, no, no. No, I didn't. But, you know, he looked like he could do some damage, Lou. But he wasn't in the kind of shape he was... In the in the seventies, it's grown back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's grown yeah. back. Uh, just a quick one on BT Sport box office because people seem to still be confused. Not fight disciples, by the way. Fight disciples who have been listening to this show for at least a year know full well the story of BT Sport box office and its pay per view channel. Because when all that shenanigans were going on at the back end of last year, where we thought that the UFC was moving to eleven sports, we they talked were all about that. They were. It was near enough done. It all fell through because they couldn't, get a lineal, pulled out, yeah. they couldn't get a lineal channel, basically. They couldn't get a Sky Sports or they couldn't get a channel on Sky in order to support uh, what they had promised. So, therefore, it all came back and then it went back to BT Sport. But part of that new deal was that they would do two, three, maybe even four pay-per-views throughout the course of the year. Now, this year, because the confusion's coming because you're getting an American feed. Yes. This is where the confusion's coming from. People are watching. They're paying the money for BT Sport box office. They're watching it, and then they're going, oh, your next pay-per-view's this, or your next pay-per-view's that. And then people are actually thinking that that is coming to them here in the UK. It's not. That is just for the American audience. So what you've had, you've had 243. Sorry, you've had 242. Yeah. No, 239 is what it was, wasn't it? 
Yeah, I'm getting all confused now. And then you've just had 242. Yes. And then now we're in a situation where 243 in Australia and 244 is on its way from New, New York. York. Will not be pay-per-view. They will not be pay-per-view in the UK. I just want to keep ramming this home. It will not be pay-per-view and, in the UK. And the only way 245 may be pay-per-view is if Connor's main event. And that's, that's the only way. And that's not happening. No. So you will not, in my opinion, have a, a, a pay-per-view for the rest of the year with the UFC on BT Sport. That's just the way it is. They're going to be on the normal BT Sport channels. So if, if you see anybody on social media going, oh, it's fucking ridiculous, but, but, but you know, they've sold out every bloody numbered event now is pay-per-view in the UK, correct them because it's bollocks, right? It's absolute nonsense. And next year, right, there will be two. There might be three, but it's not going to be every single one. Let's be honest, we've had a good ride. We've had a good ride with it. And as I pointed out on last week's show, my gripe is with those people that are getting BT Sport for free via their broadband. You're not paying any extra for it, so stop moaning about it. For those that are paying an extra charge on your Sky Sports subscription or your Virgin subscriptions and all that for that particular channel, I can understand why you're pissed off. I can get that. But let's not sell a false narrative. Not every event is going to be box office. It's not going to be pay-per-view. And I can guarantee that 243 from Australia, you'll be watching it with your Cheerios on the normal channel. That's what's going to happen. And 244, if you look at that card, come on, man. If they charge you 20 quid for it, would you pay it? Yes, you bloody would but you're going to get it for nothing. Yeah. Yeah, and, and we've been told that repeatedly because we 100%. keep asking that question, don't we? Come on, you're going to do 244, aren't you? And like, nope, categorically we not, can't. even though it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Um, even, they've had meetings in their building, and I'm sure they won't mind us saying this because we are obviously on the inside being presenters for that particular channel. They, they've had meetings in that building where some people have said, listen, it has to be two, 244, has to be a box office event. Look at the bloody card. But the guys that are running it, from within BT, I said, well, no, we can't because we've, we've made these promises and we're going to stick to it. So yeah. therefore, you're going to get 244 as part of your normal deal. Absolutely. And then listen, again, reiterate, I still understand why people have got a grip. You know, it, it, you're, getting, you're paying extra for content that's identical to, to the normal channel. Um, but, to, you know, to make the deal work, to make it as fruitful as it needs to be for everybody, they need to do a couple of pay-per-views a year. Um, but the good thing is, it won't come back. Now, in terms of Connor, let's talk about Connor now then, because Connor put that tweet out yesterday. December 14th, Dublin. What's that mean? So, 245 is in Las Vegas on December the 14th. That could be pay-per-view if Connor McGregor's the main event. But the Dublin line through everybody, it makes sense that Connor fights there on that bill. Yes, December 14th. Okay, Connor, nice. Get, get back in the gym. Because he's not even in the gym. Get back in the gym and get fucking in shape. He's on holiday at the moment with his family. So... It was the Dublin line. Now, is that saying he, he's trying to move 245 from Las Vegas to Dublin? If he is, wow, amazing. Didn't think he had that kind of pull anymore. Or was it a December, 4, 20, December 14th, like a rallying cry, Dublin, let's go. Like, we're on the road, Dublin. Come on, everybody. Get behind me kind of thing. Which, or, again... Or was it the release of his next whiskey? Or was yeah. it a court <laughs> yeah, date? Exactly, or what was yeah. it? Nobody knows what it was. Because he's yeah. being ambiguous with it, and he's he's doing what Connor does. He's sitting tongs tongs wagging. At the end of the day, stop saying tongs. It's weird the way you say tongs. Tongs, tongs are what you pick fucking sausages up with. Tongs wagging. Tongs. 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 Tongs wagging. Tongs. How do you spell it? With a T. No. What? What's the doesn't next? Ma- what's the next letter? Doesn't matter how you spell what's it. What's the next letter? You pronounce it. Tongs. No, you don't. What's the next letter? Oh. Thank you. Oh. Tongs. Not <laughs> tongs. God, you're so weird. Why am I weird? Tongs are what you pick fucking sandwiches up with in a deli counter or you turn your sausages over with. Right. Tongs. Right. Your tongue wags. 
carry on with Connor. <laughs> so weird. Um, listen, it would be amazing to see Connor back, obviously, within the Connor McGregor business, regardless of what you think about him personally or whatever. You know, we, I certainly make more money when Connor McGregor fights, and fight sports is better when Connor McGregor fights because he brings more eyeballs to the sports. What surprised me about it was December 14th, Dublin. Because every Irish person I've spoken to about Conor McGregor recently, their fucking tables have changed. They, you know what I mean? They are not Conor they're McGregor fans. They're only coming out to see him get sparked. Absolutely. The whole of Ireland seems to have turned on Conor and you know, a lot of the world has as well. It's going to be really interesting to see when he does announce his comeback, when he does get in shape, what the feedback is like because... Any, everyone in Ireland seems to have turned on him. And internationally, I think a lot of people have, have kind of turned on him as well. The sport's moved on. Make, yeah. no, make no mistake about that. He's going to come back and feel like he's still Conor McGregor, the biggest star in the UFC. And to some extent, that is absolutely right. Business only, though. But in another regard, the pressure's on. The pressure's on to, to get a win and to perform and to, get, um, to win the fans back on, on side as You're well. not daft. You know it's full of shit. It's not going to happen, mate. That, that is just basically, at this moment in time, there's loads of great momentum for Habib. There's good momentum for Dustin Poirier, who's just lost the fight. Yeah. Justin Gates has just put in a wonderful performance at the weekend. He's on a three-fight, first-round knockout spree. You know what Connor's like? There's no coincidence as to when he's dropped that. It's yeah. because the eyes aren't on him. There's, people, there's other people. He's so far down the pecking order now in that division. It's ridiculous. He is, he's fallen right off the cliff, and he's just trying in order to create attention back on himself there's nothing in it there's absolutely nothing in it one the ufc aren't going to sw- sw- they're not going to switch their final event of the year to the the big premier event of the year let's just say christmas ufc they're not going to switch it to dublin they're just not going to do that because he ain't, he ain't being serious no plus that cards that december the 14th card has already got two title fights on it you know, mm. Duranda May is challenging Amanda Nunes for exactly. the bantamweight belt, and Max Holloway is reportedly defending his belt against Volkanovski. Which is an unbelievable fight. Two great fights, two really good fights. So, I don't know, it might be interesting, you know. I also saw as well, just whilst we're talking about fights that are being made, Robbie Lawler and uh, Santiago Ponzinibbio, that's 245 as well. Yes. So, come on, man. It ain't happening. Nah. <laughs> nah. He's just looking for attention, is the kid. Yeah. Speaking of fights that are getting made, our boy Danny Roberts, he's an absolute lunatic. What are you, Danny? I know you listen to this show. Just can you not just take an easy knock? <laughs> just, just give. It, I want to go and watch Danny right and be, and be safe in the knowledge that he's just going to have a nice fifteen-minute points victory. That's all I want to see you do, Dan. He's just going to spark someone. Yeah, but he doesn't do that, does he? He goes into these ridiculous fights. Like now, I'm off to Russia to go and fight this killer. He got in with Michelle Pereira. He gets in with just absolute nutcases. But I suppose that's why the UFC keep giving him a call because he never says no. That's why we love Danny, yeah. It's, uh, you know, it's Danny, Danny all over. Danny, Danny's you've got go an to opportunity Russia. to become a Ralph Lauren model. Stop doing these things because <laughs> that contract's going to get thrown out the window soon. From what I've seen, he's just been over in Mumbai or something, making a movie yeah, as has, well, yeah. like as a, as a boxer. So he's certainly doing well, Dan. But listen, he wouldn't be Danny Roberts if he didn't take fights, if he didn't face off against tough guys. And this... Zeli Imadeyev. Imadeyev? Imadeyev. Imadeyev. And you're having a go at me for saying tongs over tongues. Undefeated until he ran into, into uh, Max Griffin on his UFC debut. Um, Max Griffin's a solid guy, a real good, a real good contender. This guy's gonna be back on home soil, back in Russia. He's undefeated in Russia, of course. It's Danny all over, man. But listen, at least the guy's a striker, so we should get. You know, it's it's kind of almost 
Danny's world a little yeah. bit more. It's not like he's going in there against a, a you know a, a Russian grappler necessarily, but that's Danny all over, man. This is why Danny is. I'm yet to see a fight that doesn't involve Danny that hasn't got some kind of bonus attached, whether it's a performance for Danny, performance bonus for his opponents, or a fight, fight of the night bonus. He's mm. always in fucking great fights. On that Moscow card, I saw an interview with Kevin Lee. He's been off the radar for a little bit of time, hasn't he? And I saw an interview with him uh, last week, and he's uh, calling out Islam Makachev, our mate from um, from Abu Dhabi. He wants him in, in Moscow. It's a big fight, though. That's a hell of a fight. It's a big fight. Makachev looks sensational in Abu Dhabi. But, it, you know, but Kevin Lee's looked sensational as well at times. He has done, yeah, yeah, but it's a tough fight for him in that weight division. So you see Davy Grant's on that bill as well, out in Russia. A couple of Brits going over there. I think main event, the Santos versus Alexander Volkov's a decent fight. But, uh, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if we had a couple of Khabib's boys added to that bill later on. Speaking of Khabib, we might as well mention it because they, they've come through with their promise. Obviously, at the back end of Abu Dhabi 242, they swapped shirts, him and Dustin Poirier, and he said, listen, I'm going to flog this, and we're going to raise some coin for uh, his Good Fight Foundation. That's Dustin Poirier's charity. Uh, we're led to believe that Khabib raised hundred grand, $100,000 by selling that shirt, and yeah. on the top of that, uh, Dana White's jumped on board, it. and he said that he'd double it as well. So there you go. 200 bags for uh, the great work that Dustin Poirier is doing with his charity. He does a lot in his hometown, but I think he's actually teamed up with another charity to do something uh, in uh, in Africa as well. Yeah, I think it's with Justin Wren. Maybe I'm wrong there, but I think it's Justin Wren's uh, Pygmies. Uh, Pygmy people of Uganda, I think it is, or something yeah, like that. Yeah, I think so, yeah, yeah. Some work there. Amazing, man. That's that's what real good guys do, isn't it? They get to a certain level of fame and certain level of wealth and they spread it round. But everybody's coming out of that well. Habib comes out of it well, Dana comes out of it well, the UFC Absolutely. come out of it well and obviously Dustin comes out of it even better yeah. than anybody. Imagine the good work Floyd Mayweather or Conor McGregor could do if they were as committed to putting 30% of their mm. earnings towards charitable courses too. Mm. Now, this weekend, Mexico City is the destination. Yao Rodriguez taking on Jeremy Stevens. This can't not be shit. <laughs> <laughs> I've said that now, and it will turn out to be an absolute stinker. But uh, but Jeremy Stevens is constantly in bangers. Yar Rodriguez, when he was taking on the Korean Zombie, he was getting an absolute shellacking until that crazy knockout in the last second of the fight. It's it, for me, it's just got a strike. For us that are striking fans, this has got strikers' paradise written all over it. It's a brilliant fight, and I think you know he's still, in in some ways, Yar Rodriguez. I, I've always thought he's a potential title contender. He's still kind of. Recovering after the Zabit uh, Magomed Sharapov incident. Well done. Obviously, Zabit fight was made. He pulled out of the fight. The UFC basically went right. Fuck it. Then you're no longer in the UFC. Fell out with him a bit, didn't he? Yeah. Uh, they kicked him out the UFC. Come back and said, "Okay, I will take the fight." In the end, the fight didn't happen for various reasons. So he's still in a little bit of recovery mode. You know, he's uh, his only loss in the UFC was against Frankie Edgar. Uh, and as you say, he nearly lost against Korean he Zombie. He got battered by the Korean Zombie, but pulled it out with that unbelievable El- reverse upside elbow. down elbow <laughs> fucking knockout of the year this is from wh- last year this is why we need Dan Hardy for a technicality of that particular knockout the reverse upside down elbow right on the whiskers unreal yeah. if, if, you know if, if you haven't seen that that was uh, that was a knockout November. of the year last year yeah Definitely the knockout of the year. Absolutely unbelievable. You've got to go back and watch it. So when you're doing that to the Korean zombie, you know, he's got good wins uh, over BJ Penn and Caseras and Dan Hooker, which now jumps off the page as a real good win. And he's a good-looking bastard as well. Yeah, man. He, you know, he's a, There's he's nothing a, more offensive than a good-looking bastard that can fight. That can actually do it as well. <laughs> <laughs> I really fancy Yard Rodriguez, but he won't have it all his own way. You know, Jeremy Stevens is one tough motherfucker, and he will bring the fight to him. So, um, as you say, this, this cannot be a great fight and 
Ironically, Jeremy Stevens cannot not be a great cannot, fight. Cannot not be a great <laughs> fight. Ironically, Jeremy Stevens in his last fight lost that fight that Yar wouldn't take, the Magomed Sherapov yeah, yeah, fight. Yeah. So, you know, he's got a little bit of uh, rehabilitation to do, but in hindsight, was Yair wrong to swerve that fight? Was he? Fuck. Absolutely not. Uh, Paul Craig's on here. He's having a little bit of a trip out to Mexico, isn't he? He's our Paul yeah. uh, taking on Vinicius Moirera. You would think, looking at this on paper, he's been fed to a local lad <laughs> to get a bit of an hiding. But, listen, we know what Paul's all about. I just wish that Paul had stopped striking with everybody and just lie on his bike, start the fight, just walk up to the centre of the octagon, lie on your bike and tell him to come and join you. <laughs> come and have a little bit of a lie down because that's where he's at his strongest. Yeah, he is, absolutely. And uh, if only it was that easy. Of course um, it is. You're in control of that. Just walk yeah, up to the yeah. centre of the octagon and lie down. But then Vinicius Moreira, obviously, he's come into the UFC. He's a Brazilian guy that's undefeated. Um, was undefeated, sorry, coming into the UFC, I think. Coming to UFC, he's had two fights. I think he won He won a fight on Dana White's Consender Series, which got him a contract. But he's had two actual fights in the UFC now and lost them both. He's been knocked out twice in the first round. So, okay, Paul's strength isn't necessarily his striking. But if he can set up the striking to close the distance to pull guard to get a finish, man, this, this could be a good win for him. The, the, the problem is that you know his strength is also Moreira's strength as well. So it could well be a grappling match. You say then... Paul should just pull him to the ground and do it. Moreira wants the same thing. Mm. These guys should probably just start on their knees and just fucking touch hands and bump, <laughs> go at it. So don't be surprised if it hits the mat within the first minute. Um, but Paul Craig's more than capable, man, as he's proved in the past. Is there anything else that's standing out for you? I've seen that there's, uh, I think, Betcha Carrera's on there as well. Yeah, man, she's buried on the bill. Against, yeah, why uh, so far down? Says Yara Eubanks, you know, the battle of the girls who lost to Ronda Rousey. Um, it just goes to show what I lost to Ronda Rousey back in the day. Um, can completely hamper your career. Sometimes you think that you get fights against the biggest names on these on these main headline cards means that your career now is on a certain trajectory. Um, but evidently not. These girls are you know are buried down there. Um, not really had that opportunity. Eubanks lost to Aspen Lab. Did Eubanks fight Ronda? I know Betty Correa definitely fought mm. Ronda anyway. Um, <clears throat> so that's an interesting one that it's so early on. But the main card. Um, Colorado Spars, Avelis, Alexa Grasso in the co-main event. A decent little fight. They're kind of well-matched. I think they're both very similar in their strawweight rankings. But again, it's mostly sleepers. These cards, these Mexico cards, these fight night cards are always the sleepers. It's, it's a case of who's going to run away and he's, who's going to steal it. I do like Angela Hill, who's mm. on the prelim card. She's taken on uh, Arlene Carnalosso. Well done. Carnalosso, man. Yeah, that's not a bad little pronunciation. We were actually out in Las Vegas with our mate Ben Chilly, from, uh, who obviously he's now working out in Las Vegas for the UFC, and he does like to correct us on all our pronunciations. Done well tonight. You've done all right. Yeah, not bad at all. I wonder, what his, I wonder what his thoughts are on tongue and tongue. We'll get his take on it, absolutely. Yeah. He's an Aussie, isn't he? So he probably says tongue, because, you know, most people do. Yeah, but he's wrong as well, and it's tongue. <laughs> oh, there's an O there. Oh, my God. Uh, thank you very much for listening to us. It's been an absolute pleasure once again to be in your company. It's refreshing to actually do a show in the UK, and this is going to continue now for the next couple of weeks. Um, so do subscribe. We'll be back in our proper studio rather than being on location so I can play some whizzes and bangs and put some music into some of the shows and what have you just to get a little bit of a vibe going once again. Uh, you can subscribe via iTunes. Fight Disciples is what you're looking for. Fightdisciples.com is our website if you need Spotify or anything like that. At Fight Disciples is Facebook and Twitter, and at The Fight Disciples is our Instagram accounts. We will catch you next time. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, subscribe via iTunes.